Alrighty, folks. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of This Life. Uh, for those of you who are new here, um, welcome. This Life is a podcast about this life. Uh, it's about mental health and our lives and how it revolves around it. Um, usually, we don't really think about that. Uh, mental health in business, mental health in, I mean, life in general. Can't get any more uh, more specific than that. But um, yeah, welcome. Um, this episode is brought to you by Local Hub. Uh, Local Hub is a co-working community of like-minded professionals that are, per, I'm sorry, that are focused on developing mutually beneficial relationships. They bring small businesses and entrepreneurs together in their beautiful chic space. Local Hub facilitates resources and a network built to accelerate your business by offering workshops, skill sharing, and special events. So this is the Local Hub Studios um, they host the podcast and I am forever grateful for them. Um, also this show is sponsored by Popple. That is P O P L. That's how you spell that. Um, their website is popple.co. What is Popple? Uh, it's a new safe and easy way to share your social media phone number and payment information. Popple is a sticker that goes on the back of your phone and they also sell keychains, which is pretty cool. And when you tap it behind someone's phone, it directs them to your prop to your Popple profile. It's kind of like those links that people have on their Instagram. And you can actually use the Popple link to put in your Instagram. Uh, an example would be my Instagram at Myarca Media. Um, the my bio has the um, what you call it the Popple link. Um, you can customize your links. People can text you, follow you, or pay you depending on the links that you have. On your profile, this life listeners get twenty percent off their order at popple.co with code this life, which is one word. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. Today, my guest is Judy. Who is Judy? I've spoken about Judy before um, here and there. Judy's actually my therapist. Um, I haven't seen her in a while because I kind of graduated from therapy. I've been. I mean, I've been doing, I've been doing amazing, um, but I know not everyone's doing too hot right now. Um, I spoke to Judy about, I mean, a little bit of everything. It was, I'm not going to lie, it was a little weird because we do have that professional relationship where, you know, she's not my homie. She's obviously a professional and, and she can only say so much um, because of her profession. So we talked a little bit about her personal life and the struggles she went through and how they shaped her life. Um, we also kind of spoke about trends and what she's seeing right now in the world. Um, and we dove a little bit into therapy. So I always talk about therapy and how it's very beneficial. Um, I've learned so much from it and I continue to learn, even though I don't go anymore, I still continue to kind of use those principles that I, that I learned in therapy um, to just live life. Um, so yeah, she goes into, uh, her life. Uh, I go into what it was like having her as a therapist and, um, yeah, we talk about addiction, um, and a bunch of other stuff. Honestly, I do these intros after the fact and I don't really remember, like I, I remember, but I can't really pinpoint exactly what we talked about, but it's, it's a little bit of everything. It was, it was a fun thing to do and it was cool to kind of see her in that light of not 
just my therapist, but like a, a person. Um, so I hope you enjoy. I hope you get something from it. Um, I will leave her info in the show notes. You can text her. You can email her. You can call her. Um, she's readily available. And if you're feeling uncomfortable or if you have any questions, uh, you can reach out to me as well. Um, on my Instagram at Mallorca Media. That's M A Y O R C A. Wait, did I spell that right? M A Y O R C A Media uh, on Instagram. Um, if you want to watch the videos, go ahead and follow on YouTube. And that's pretty much it. Um, I hope you enjoy and thank you so much for listening. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to... Oh, I just spilled my drink. Earth to Felix. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, This Life, a podcast by Mallorca Media. I'm your host, Felix Mallorca. Um, today's going to be a very fun day. I'm sitting down with Judy. Hi, Judy. Hi, Felix. <laughs> How do you feel about being on this? Well, I feel like I'm in a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had another guest who said they felt like they were in a... Um, Actually, I had one guest say that they felt like they were being interrogated, uh-huh. and then another one say that they were in a torture room uh, of ISIS. So, wow, spaceship is it's a lot better. <laughs> it's a lot better than those two things. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's quite as intimidating as. No, I think it's more intimidating than therapy. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because it's not being recorded in therapy. Right. That's right. And you have these lights in your face and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So today's a little bit of a different setup. Cameras um, pointed at Yeah. <laughs> All the attention. Everything's being recorded. Hope we don't get canceled. Um, so, Judy, uh, you are slash were my therapist for a while. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming down. Um, drove all the way from Oceanside, right? No. Well, Fallbrook Bonzel. Oh, dang. Okay. So drove all the way from there. Appreciate you being on. Um, yeah, I, th- it's been a weird time. Um, we were just talking and, and I haven't spoken to you in, in, in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it weird when clients just kind of like, I kind of found myself being more busy and more busy and more busy. And then I just didn't make time for therapy. Um, is that kind of weird when people just kind of fall off? Well, in your case, uh, I felt like you made tremendous progress. And so it was sort of like, oh, it's natural. You're feeling better. You're doing better. This is time. You know, you get to decide that. Um, like if you'd only come to see me a couple of times and we're still having problems and and you fell off, then I'd probably worry about you. Right. Because we went from, <clears throat> I think, once a week to kind of once a month. And then, um, yeah, things kind of looked up and and to be honest i know this is going to probably sound dramatic or cheesy but like you i honestly i tell everyone like you for sure saved my life like i i don't think i would be here without you because i was in such a kind of i mean such a dark place when i first came to see you i couldn't get a word out there's a fly in here sorry i couldn't get a word out because i was just i remember our first session i was just crying and crying and crying and and though i think that was one of the first times where it was like i was kind of purging things mm-hmm. um before we get into all that though um it's a little cold in here so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna put you on the hot seat 
Now, what the hot seat is, is I ask you a bunch of rapid fire questions. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's so, sort of like a Rorschach inkblot test. Word association. Right. Yeah, exactly. There you okay. go. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I want more experts on here. This is why. You ready? Okay. All right. You're on the hot seat now. What's your day look like? Uh, today or just in general? Just in general. A, a typical day for Judy. Well, fortunately, in the last several months, I've uh, arranged my schedule so that I have my perfect work schedule, which is four days a week. So I have three days off. Nice. And um, finally, at my age, which is ancient. (laughs) And um, yeah, so when I do work, uh, I start at 10 uh, because that's a better time for me. So I get to decide because I'm my own boss. Nice. Same. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I try not, I try to have a good break during the day and Unlike a lot of therapists who do like 15-minute hours or they stop you immediately after 15 minutes or 60 minutes and then they jump in to seeing somebody else, I allow an hour and a half between sessions because uh, it gives me a time to take a breather and, uh, you know, sort of get back in a mindset to listen to somebody else because everybody's different. Right. Yeah, so I'm slow. I like to be slow, and um, it takes your time. Yeah, I like to take your time. Yeah. Okay. Um, who's your favorite person? Whoa, <laughs> my mom. Your mom. Except she's gone. Oh well, still that still counts. She's still your favorite person. Yeah. Uh, top three types of food: cheese, chocolate. <laughs> And it seems like there's something else that starts with a C-H. But I can't remember what it is right now. Chardonnay? <laughs> it could be. Probably. On some days. Okay. Uh, dogs or cats? Oh, gosh. Dogs. Yes. But I have cats. Yeah, so do I. But I, I prefer dogs. Uh, what's your number one guilty pleasure? <laughs> it's kind of personal. <laughs> that's what it's all about my number one guilty pleasure oh facebook games really yeah (laughs) i've never heard that one yeah okay um what's something you shouldn't do but you do anyway Oof. curse curse i think that's for a lot of people yeah uh who do you think you are oh wow you're in the hot seat. I think I'm a. I think I'm a really fun, caring person who um, is a quick thinker, generally. Okay. Except when I'm on the hot seat. <laughs> hey, it gets hot. You know, might start sweating. Uh, what do you waste your money on? Shoes. Shoes. My husband would say that. Really? Yeah, I should have said he was my favorite person. <laughs> that's what I was waiting for, but you're like, my mom was like, all right, that's a good one too. Um, if you had to choose a different career path, what would it be? Oh, I was thinking about this the other day, a dancer. Really? Mm-hmm. Did you dance when you were a kid? Yeah, I'd love to dance. In fact, I was watching some dance the other day and I went, I wish I could do that. 
That's uh, it's pretty cool. I watched. I remember in in fifth grade, I watched uh, the Nutcracker. Ah. Uh-huh. And I I was just looking at like, this is how weird I was as a kid, like the the people's physiques. I was like, dude. And then I remember my teacher being like, look at those legs, and I was just like right and then other, other kids were like ew you know and i was like what do you mean ew dude look at the freaking leg <laughs> look at that guy's quads like that's that's incredible um oh here's a good one this one's about your husband what's something you find sexy in a partner oh sense of humor sense of humor definitely that's a good one gotta have a sense of humor i don't hang out with people who don't have sense of humor <laughs> me neither <laughs> uh what is something you need to work on I've been working on losing weight. Okay. Getting more ripped. Oh, uh, <laughs> not hardly, but getting up off the floor. I decided my new exercise was going to be just getting up off the floor multiple times. That's good. Yeah. Uh, what's your current obsession? E. Kite flying. Kite flying? Yes. That's your obsession right now? I, it's something I really, really enjoy, and I bought three kites to share with my grandchildren, but that hasn't happened yet, but I've been flying them. <laughs> You're testing them out. Yeah. Uh, sweet or salty? Oh, salty. Mm, same. Salty and spicy. It's oh, my fave. Uh, last question. Describe one of the best days of your life. Whoa, that's a difficult one. There's been a lot of good days. One of the best days of my life. You just got to choose one. When I got my GED at 30 years old. Really? Mm-hmm. Why did it take so long? Well, I dropped out of high school twice. Okay. And then I worked and I got in trouble. And, um, yeah. And I got involved with a stupid, crazy guy who got me in trouble. Okay. Yeah. So, let me segue. That was great. It was a hot seat. How do you feel? Hot. <laughs> um, I I, I want to segue based off of what you just said. Um, I I I did therapy twice, and I told you this. I did one did did some sessions in in college through the through the school, and I felt like I went to therapy thinking. I have some work to do and I'm going to do it with the help of this person, which I think a lot of people should do. Many people I think go into therapy and not, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but just being like, this person's going to fix me. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people fail um, or not fail, but it just doesn't work for them in their mind. Uh, I went to the first therapist. I thought it worked and I felt great for a little bit and then it didn't. Then um, I searched for another one, found you and something that really kind of stuck to me was that like you had lived um do you think you you bring your life into sessions and does that does that help i think i definitely do um my life experience uh, my perception uh, my ability to be compassionate with people who are struggling because i've struggled myself and uh, I found ways to move through that and transcend that. Right. right? Yeah, definitely. When did this this wanting to <clears throat> help people start? 
Well, it's very interesting that you asked that because I came into therapy through a non-traditional pathway. And I don't think this is something that you and I talked about because I'm generally not that... um, Open? Yeah, because, you know, as a therapist, we're encouraged not to talk about ourselves. Right. Right? So... um, I ended up in prison when I was 30. That's how I ended up getting my GED. Oh, wow. And um, I was a two-time high school dropout. And I was looking at, actually had been originally sentenced to eight years. And I, when I got to prison, I was going to end up doing five and a half because of the, you know, if you do good time, you get time off. And they had a college program. And I went, I'm getting something out of this because I don't want to waste this time, even though I'd probably wasted most of my life up until that right. point, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, they had a college program, and I went through the college program, and um, it helped me survive the environment, and it taught me a lot. And... Uh, they only had one degree path, which was human development. And so when I when I I actually paroled six months before I graduated, and I got to walk across the stage at the university. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, I went to work. I went to a halfway house for six months, and then I went to work, and. Um, I decided after I worked for a while that I wanted, I didn't want to work for somebody dumber than me <laughs> anymore. I, I, I feel that. So I, so I chose a graduate school, and the only program I could go into was uh, clinical psychology, which led to a marriage and family therapist license. And what came up for me when I was considering that was, People already call me and ask me for advice. So I'm doing this for free, so I might as well do it for pay, right? If you get it something, never do it for free. Yeah. And um, I feel like, I feel like I good, I'm good at it, much better at it now than I was when I first started, of course. Yeah. But part of what's really helped me uh, segue into being better therapist is uh, my practices in Buddhism. Oh, and that's kind of helped you get centered in your own life? Yes, definitely. That's awesome. I, I, I could kind of see that, that vibe. You, have that, that, you definitely have that vibe. When I first sat down with you, you kind of have like this, you're very centered. You're, um, for those that are kind of thinking and, I mean, looking for a therapist, I would, I always recommend you to anyone. Um, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and it's because you, you would talk with me, you wouldn't talk at me. And that's mm. one of the things, and you were talking about earlier about your, your career choice and I don't want to work for someone dumber. Um, I've always been talked at. And even as, as it, it was always like when teachers would do that, I'm like, oh, I don't like you. I'm just going to pass your class, but I don't really like you. I, I would always love professors and teachers that would talk with us, like ask us questions. That's kind of one of why I wanted to be a teacher because a lot of teachers are just mm-hmm. there talking at the kids. So 
I think your style is very much like immersive and like, well, you know what I would do or like little things like that. Um, and that's something I, I, I really appreciated. Um, but I had some questions for you here. Um, my, my biggest kind of, I notice a lot of trends. I was a history major, so obviously you have to kind of look at where the world is now, but what are some, some trends in people that you've seen? Obviously we have social media and we have all that. And for me, it kind of seems like more and more people are depressed. More and more people are, are having anxiety and stuff. Um, have you seen the sort of, of a, a trend in your work line of work? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I am assuming you're talking about COVID and the political situation, the socio-political situation right now and COVID, um, the isolation. Um, It's interesting from uh, just an observational standpoint that, you know, it, it tells a person sort of, am I an introvert or an extrovert? Right. You know, because you get smacked in the face with that, with the isolation of COVID. And uh, the introverts are going, oh, man, this is like my life hasn't changed. In fact, I kind of like it this way. Uh And the extroverts are going, I, you know, I fell off the wagon because I couldn't go to meetings. I, you know. Um, I really feel isolated. I don't have anybody to talk to. I don't have my usual social activities to go to. And it's extremely stressful for people, especially who are very social and like to be out around other people and interacting with other people. So if people are feeling like that, what should they do? Well, I try to get people to explore what they like to do right? You know, what their interests are. And then how can they engage in that um, still in some manner? You know, uh, a lot of people don't care for um, video kinds of meetings yep. um, for a variety of reasons. And I totally understand that because I've been in video meetings and there's problems with that, right? You can't, you know, you can't talk at the same time as somebody else. Oh, God. One yeah. person starts and the other. Uh, uh, yeah. so, yes. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh. Or <laughs> their so internet annoying. connection is bad, you yeah. know, whatever it is. Um, so, it, you know, it takes a bit of creativity to start coming up with ways that you can stay engaged. And um, part of it, I think, is getting out getting outside and in Southern California, we're very fortunate because the weather's decent enough all year round that you can get out and you can do physical things. So I think if you can get out and do more physical things, go to the beach, go for a hike, you know, um, that sort of thing. It's very important because go fly a kite. Like, yeah, there you go. New obsessions. Because there's a lot of stuff you can do without having to come in close contact with people. Uh, in fact, I got together with a group of our friends at the beach, and uh, there were, you know, picnic tables, and we were able to sit far enough apart, and some of us wore masks, yeah. and we had a picnic, yep. you know, and we hung out and chit-chatted with each other and watched other people, you know. So I find the people that have the most problems are the ones that are already kind of isolated in their activities, 
or they're angry because they can't do exactly what they've been doing and want to do. So sometimes people are their own worst enemies that way. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, a hundred percent. There have been studies and stuff showing that uh, spousal abuse as well mm. is, is skyrocketing. And um, mm-hmm. do you think social media has a, a crazy impact on this? I feel like we're very much in the era of uh, conspiracy theories mm-hmm. because people have more time. Um, have you found that to be another trend? I don't. I haven't seen that much of that. I mean, I see it when I go on to social media. Um, I think one of the things we have to be careful with with social media is it becoming such a central part of our lives. Right. You know, because it can have that effect of being like drawn into it. It's almost hypnotic. So I think it's important to minimize your amount of time you spend on social media. You don't have to reply to everything everybody says. Yeah. You know, you can let it pass. And that's that's an opportunity for you to practice sort of just letting things go and not having to do anything about it. Because what can you do about it anyway, right? right. You can voice your opinion. And sometimes that just goes down uh, <laughs> a a path you don't want to be on, right? Because then you get into it with people. I mean, people are going to say stuff. Yeah. And sometimes people say stuff just because they like to see if they can get you upset. You know, there's some people who just have that kind of personality. And so, so it's like avoiding be being a victim, you know, so find something else to do, you know, go do a chore clean (laughs) yeah i've done a lot of rearranging do some writing do some you know read a real book right right you know go somewhere uh call a call a friend talk to a friend on the phone to a family member do something for someone you know i think it's important to get outside of yourself especially now yeah yeah And it's it's more of a challenge now because you know you can't do a lot of stuff you used to do yeah yeah i yep i've i've been in the same situation and kind of had that point of oh my god same like especially with my career like i've always wanted to work for myself and even though i didn't know it and then once i started it was like covid started and i was like oh my god i'm selling everything i hate my life (laughs) so um we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back judy i want to talk more about actual therapy okay so we'll be right back I've, I've done a lot of every year I always try to kind of reflect on where I was, where I've, you know, how far I've come and, and um, my little accomplishments and stuff. I think one of my biggest accomplishments is going to therapy. Um, and like I've told you, I, I started telling friends and they were like, oh, they, they've always been very intrigued. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you think holds people back from going? Well, there's a number of things. One is, uh, you know, there's sort of a societal taboo against admitting that you've got a mental health problem. I mean, you know, people think that means I'm crazy. You know? Yeah. But the statistics are, at least they used to be, it could be more now, that like 30% of the people could be diagnosed with clinical depression. You know, that's a lot of people. Right. And uh, depression can be extremely damaging to someone. 
to their, you know, to how they feel about themselves, to the way they function in their life, to, uh, to how they interact with other people and how they're able to continue to work or not work. And, uh, and then there's suicide too with depression a lot of times. Right. So, um, you know, it just, from an objective standpoint, it <laughs> makes sense that you would want to get help. Yeah. So that you don't have to live through that. But I have clients, especially that, um, they absolutely do not want to take medication. Okay. And it can be very helpful at times, you know, and it can jumpstart your your mood improving, right? I mean, it helped me. Yeah. And I've, I've talked about that a lot. And I talk about uh, you and I. So our first session was very much like, you know, what's going on? Who are you? Why do you feel like this? What do you feel? Um, and I remember... I remember crying a lot. Like I was just like, I, it kind of felt like if this doesn't work, I was exhausted. I was like, if this doesn't work, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then you did a depression inventory. And that's when I finally heard, I kind of knew when I was in high school that I was kind of depressed. And then even in middle school, I had some, some kind of stuff. Um, but I never really put it out there. And once I started talking to you, you did the depression inventory and you asked me some questions and, I was kind of like, I've done this before. Like it's, you know, but then I started asking myself really, am I happy? And asking myself the the real questions, Mm -hmm. like what you were asking me, um, how do you feel on a normal day? Are you tired all the time? Are you, you know, little things like that, that I would use, I used to make justifications for, but now it was like, holy shit, I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. And when you gave me, I think you gave me like a 39 score or like a 40, I don't remember. But, um, you're like, yeah, you're, wow, you're severely depressed. I was like, no. <laughs> you know, I was like in denial. Yes. Uh, and you were like, if, you don't have to do this, but my recommendation might be, you know, antidepressants. And that's scary for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, if people don't want to take that, though, what, what are the other options? Well, there are some things you can do to improve mood, but it takes a lot of effort. And one of the problems with depression specifically is you don't feel like putting out any effort. You feel tired and beat down, you know. So there's a challenge there. And that's just one issue that people come to therapy with. You know, there's other kinds of mental health issues that are just as challenging in their own way, right? So what I've seen with people who refuse to take medication or totally don't, you know, no, no, I'm not going that route, then, you know, it's helpful if they increase their exercise, if they uh, make sure their diet is healthy and they're not eating a lot of junk food or drinking alcohol or doing drugs, because drugs and alcohol can also affect your mood. You know, so there's a lot of things you can do um, to improve your mood. You know, meditation can help getting outside yourself. Like I said earlier, you know, trying to help somebody else. But that doesn't mean help somebody else, you know, and don't take care of yourself. Right. You know, it's not a self-sacrifice thing. 
So there are things people can do, but my observation has been if somebody's severely depressed, um, it usually helps for them to start on some kind of medication, to, at least to see if it'll work. Right. Because then you're feeling better sooner, and then you're able to do some of these other things. But if they're unwilling to try that, then a lot of times they spend months struggling, just struggling trying to maintain a positive attitude. Yeah, and I think for me it was kind of a a kick in the gut. Like I started taking it, and it was cool having – well, I did a lot of research – and I always tell people this, you know, do a lot of research on, mm-hmm. on whatever. I talked to my doctor as well, and, and she kind of broke it down for me as well. You broke it down for me as well. Um, in my personal opinion, I don't think people should just go straight to it. They should do research. They mm-hmm. should, you know, ask questions. And mm-hmm. um, But also, you kind of guided me through it, and you were like, so it's your first week. How do you feel? And I was like, I feel worse. <laughs> and you were like, well, you know, your anxiety's gone down. So then what's coming up is the depression. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and you were like, you know, take a little break and uh, make sure you're doing this. And you kind of guided me through it. And then after the first month, month and a half, I started feeling better. Uh, one of the things that I brought up to you was uh, that I just, if I wasn't doing an activity, I was sad. And Mm -hmm. I kept saying that and I was like, I just need to be busy. You know, when I'm not busy, I'm I'm not. And I was justifying it. Same thing. I always when I think about it, I always feel like a drug addict. (laughs) You know how they're always like, no, no, no. I need it. It makes I can control it. You know, same thing. I was like, my activities are I need the activities. Otherwise, I'm not right. I'm not myself. Good point. So um, (laughs) what I know a lot of other people that feel that way. What would you kind of say to them? Should they get therapy? Should they? What should they do? Well, therapy is like it's work, you know. Like you said, uh, some people come into therapy and they think the therapist is going to fix them. You know, I don't fix anybody. I don't have a magic wand. Um, I try to help people assess what they can do to feel better. But the you know the honest truth is if you're not willing to do the work or take suggestion uh, then you're probably not going to get anywhere and right. uh, so you have to be open right you have to be uh, willing to to try something different yeah. and not and not stay stuck and not want to stay stuck. Yeah. I think noticing that you are stuck is the first step. Like, it's always, you always hear it in TV and movies and stuff. Noticing you have a problem is the first step. I think when you <laughs> when you notice, you're like, yeah, I am stuck in my own ways, in my own head. That's that's the biggest problem. That's what I, that was my problem. Um, what are some of the challenges you face being a therapist and, and listening to all these crazy things? Well, I think the biggest challenge for me is if I talk to somebody who is really having a lot of severe problems and I can't fix it for them right away. Yeah. You know, and I know they're going to suffer more. And sometimes I ruminate on what I can 
how I can help them better. You know, especially if they're if they're really in a dangerous place or they're really struggling. Um, and so I don't like to take my work home, but you know, it's when you're working with other people and you're working on people trying to uh, improve their lives and feel better about their lives and do better in their lives, it's hard not to take it home. So I think that's the biggest challenge is not taking it home. Or when you do coming up with solutions that, that really actually are helpful. Right. I always think about, uh, I don't know if people have watched this movie, but Freedom Riders. Have you seen that movie? No. With uh, Hillary Swink. She's, no, I'll have so, to see it now. She's a teacher. One of my favorite movies. She's a teacher okay. and she uh, has these kids. She she goes to this school that's super underprivileged in LA. I think it was, it was based on a true story. But um, long story short, she has these kids. She's investing her life into it. Um, one day she comes home and Patrick Dempsey is in it, right? McSteamy. Um, he's like, it has his bags packed and he's like, I can't do this anymore. Because you're so invested in your job. Has that ever some sort of, uh, because she's like, oh my God, honey. So today, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is what happened in school. Um, Obviously, you can't talk about things with your (laughs) husband because of HIPAA. But um, do you ever find yourself kind of in a spot where where maybe a husband or your husband or or, um, maybe a family member is just kind of like notices you're in your own head? Oh, well, I went through that this year, actually, because I had two contract jobs. Right now, I'm in private practice, and I only see private clients in my in my office or virtually. But uh, prior to that, before October, I was, uh, and let's see, I left one contract in August, and I left another one in October, and I was doing uh, contract work for residential and detox-level uh, addiction treatment. And the thing about residential and detox level addiction treatment is it's 24-7. You, know, you got people coming and going oh boy. any time of the day and night. And I had to sign off on a lot of paperwork and do a lot of paperwork and do a lot of assessments and that sort of thing and do therapy and sometimes group. And I was exhausted all the time. And right. my husband was complaining about that. Because I just couldn't do anything else. You know, like when I had time off, I was just... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right, sleeping. Yeah, and so so that was behind my decision to let go of those contracts and just um, focus on my private practice, which gave me a lot uh, more um, flexibility to have my own off time so I get three days off in a row it's beautiful isn't which it? I really need that you know so I think a big part of it is you have to really be aware of what your own limitations are as a human being and I am not a uh, type a personality you know I'm a type b personality I yeah. need my naps <laughs> 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 I need my fun time I need my me time you know, but one of the things that I try to do when I'm working is I try to be 100% present for my clients because it's not about me. It's about what they bring. It's about 
the solutions they can come up with. Right. And I just help facilitate that. So in order to do that, I have to be present with those people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as Ron Swanson, I don't know if you've seen Parks and Rec, uh, Ron Swanson said, uh, never half-ass two things, full-ass one thing, or whole-ass one thing. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So yes. I think yes. about that a lot. That's very true. Um, that's why, I mean, and I think that's why I kind of resonate with you is because we kind of think the same way. I'm, you know, I woke up at 10 today and usually with my anxiety and depression, I would be like, oh my God, I'm such a failure. Like, I'm just going to stay in bed. Uh And now it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll work out tonight and, you know, kind of work things around. I just didn't sleep last night. So I'm going to, you know, and I don't have a boss to to talk to and be like, I'm sorry, I came in late. You know, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, But let me go back to addiction. I had a... um, I had a guest on here whose brother actually recently died mm. um, or passed away because he had addiction problems. Mm-hmm. Do you, this is one of the bigger debates that I've had with people is, do you think addiction is a disease? Whoa, what a question. I generally think of it. I mean, addiction is a powerful force. It's a habit. It, and a habit can become problematic if it's the wrong kind of habit. And what builds habits is repetition. Right. And um, so disease, I don't know. I, ne- I don't even think of it that way. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I think of it more as a habit. But it's a but habits can be destructive, right? Right. You can chew your fingernails. That's a habit, right? You can smoke. That's a habit, you know. And then there's habits that are extremely destructive. But what gets us into habits and what keeps us in habits are a variety of things. You know, they're biochemistry. Uh, a lot of the biochemistry coming out now around addiction is it actually changes. Addiction can actually change how your brain works, how your brain functions. And so this is part of the problem. So, yeah, I guess you could call it a disease from that aspect, yeah. So it is, it's, I think when people say that, it's such a blanket statement. I think when people say that, it's, yeah. I mean, it's kind of biological. It's that whole, like, nature versus nurture uh, debate as well. Um, oh, good point. Is someone born with it, or maybe it's Maybelline? Um, no, terrible. Um, you know, is somebody born uh, more prone to be an addict? I don't know. Right, because you you also hear I have um, addiction in my family, mm-hmm. and a lot of my uncles are drunks. Um, and I think we talked about this. I I never really had a problem. <laughs> That sounds so like everyone always says that. And I, I didn't really have a problem with it, but it, it turned into a habit where it was like when I hung out with friends, that's what we would do. It's like, let's hang out and, you know, we'll drink a little bit. Not get drunk, right, right. but we'll drink a little bit. Um, I've cut back significantly because, and I told my parents this too, I was like, it's become not a destructive habit, but it's become a habit. Mm-hmm. And I want to nip it in the mm-hmm. bud before it is um, that, you know, it turns destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I mean, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from with that. Um, have, were and you was ever, it easy? Yeah. 
I mean... I mean, could you just say one day, okay, I'm going to stop doing that, and you stop doing it, and you didn't have any problems with not doing it? Yeah. It was... It wasn't a challenge, but it was kind of harder when it was I was around it. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to let loose. You know, oh, I'll have one. Um, not in the way where it was like, you know, I'm biting my nails and I'm like, oh my God, I need it. And like my, I'm salivating mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> it, it was it was one of those where I was around friends and they would have mm-hmm. a beer. And like, Dude, have a beer. And I'd be like, um, nah, I'm okay. I'd be like, why? Well, if you think about... I worked in a um, state hospital for two years with severe mentally ill people who had to be hospitalized and were locked up. And one of the things I observed, because I worked with uh, psychiatrists and psychiatric nurses and in an environment where everybody was on medication. Right. You know, and my observation there was uh, really... Anybody taking medication for anything is kind of experimental because we all have a little bit different way we react to different things. Right. And um, so the way we react to substances, if we if we overindulge, it's the same. You know, it, it, it basically you're experimenting on yourself to see what kind of reaction you're going to have. And some substances are highly physiologically addictive, like heroin, methamphetamine, Mm -hmm. you know, different ones. Um, Some of them are more psychologically addictive. You know, you feel like you're not, you're you if you're not using it, or you don't feel the same if you're not using it, or you want it, right? I think think weed is like that a lot. Although weed now has gotten so strong, yeah, I don't know. It might be in a whole other category now. Yeah, I haven't even thought of that. But I, I know people that are like, oh, I smoke weed every day. So it's just what I do. It's like, I can stop what I want. but So stop. Yeah. Eh, that's just me. Yeah, right, right. I think that's how, how habits yeah. start. And Good point. I, I think a lot of people kind of have that like, oh, it's not a gateway drug. You can't get addicted. I mean- it doesn't have like addictive i think mentally you can and like socially you can it's just like i mean just like alcohol i think you're some people are like oh i get really nervous when i'm around people i'm gonna have a couple drinks mm-hmm. and then that's how it starts it's like why am i nervous right now i'll have a drink well i want to say from working in addiction the number one complaint people come in with why they start first started using is anxiety yeah. Okay. So if that's true, if a lot of people are using because of anxiety, there's a lot of other stuff you can do for anxiety that doesn't involve taking an addictive substance. Right. <laughs> in amounts that are going to totally wreck your life and your relationships and maybe kill you, right? Yeah. But do we think about that? A lot of times, no, because the other thing that happens when you talk to people who are addicted and are trying not to be is they'll tell you it worked. You know, that's why they started, because the first time they used it, it worked. And so this is the problem, because if it works, the likelihood you're going to use it again is increased, right? Right. That's true. Um, We're going to take another quick break. Uh, 
And then I kind of I want to get into you, Judy, your life. Uh, I thought we did that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. I want to I want to talk a little bit about if you're comfortable with this about your your uh, your experience in prison. I think, in my opinion, people who have left prison have lived so much more. I, I, I want. And I'm sure some people are going to be like, what the hell? I want representatives in, you know, in office who were in prison. I want teachers who were in prison because they understand that side of, of America. They didn't just go from school to school to more school. Boom. You know, I'm, oh, I'm all happy and clean. And, and I, I find that those people just haven't lived life. Um, how has your experience there molded you into Judy with red hair. <laughs> the Judy yeah. we see now. I didn't have red hair before I went to prison. <laughs> you didn't have red hair before I... I know. Yeah, uh-huh. a while back. Um, wow. Well, you're taking me back in time. Um, I hope that's okay. I was... I grew up in a traditional, you know, family. My parents ended up getting divorced when I was 18 um, and I um, like I said I dropped out of high school twice Um, I was not a happy person I think I was clinically depressed but I wasn't treated Mm -hmm. and um, I got involved in an abusive relationship with a guy who basically was a criminal and um, ended up participating with him in criminal behavior. And uh, I feel like actually prison saved my life because if I hadn't gone to prison, I probably would be dead or mutilated or crazy because of the relationship that I was involved in. Wow. And... um, so it was hard it it was hard to uh, admit that I had screwed up so badly that that had to happen to me but once I accepted it and decided I was going to get something out of it instead of allow it to continue to beat me up um, I think I was able to turn that into a positive for myself because I don't know if you know anything about the history of prison in America, but prison in America was the way prisons work in America was actually started by the Quakers a couple hundred years ago. And the reason they call uh, prisons penitentiaries is because it was a place for a person to go and have penitence and contemplate that's why they have cells because it was it was the current prisons were designed on the idea of a monastery oh so people would go into their cell and they would contemplate their behavior and uh you know there's always a lot of religious people involved in working with prisoners i don't know how it started at first with the quaker concept 
but maybe they were expected to pray or read the Bible or whatever. But um, so you can go into prison with that idea. And it's sort of what I did for myself, because one of the things that happened to me was I the day that I got arrested, I was crying on my bunk and then I dried my face and I went to the bathroom and on the way to the bathroom, this gal sitting in this bunk next to me said, pray and ask God to help you and he'll help you. Well, I thought, what have I got to lose? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so in that sense, I guess my prayer was a form of contemplation. And what I learned from that was God's voice or whatever you want to call the creator, because I don't have a specific idea what that is, Right, is a very quiet, small voice, and I've heard it all my life in here, that usually said something like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I do it anyway, yeah. because I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it, right? And so I started listening to that voice. I started practicing not allowing other people to influence me um, because I realized that um, whatever choice I make in any given moment is my choice and I get to suffer the consequences of it and it doesn't matter who else is involved. So one of my pra first practices was not reacting to other people. And there's ample opportunity in prison to react to other people. Because right. not only do you have other inmates, and a lot of them are extremely upset, angry, or disturbed, yeah. right? Yeah. You have the correctional officers to deal with, too, and they got their own personalities. <sighs> and it's 24-7. Damn. You can't go away from that. You can't go home and lock yourself in your room. You, know, you have to deal with it. Do you have any PTSD from that? Or did you afterwards? Hmm. I probably have more PTSD from living with my batterer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, shoot, I was going to add something. Oh, because I'm, I'm always, and I said that thing about, uh, you know, people have been in prison, uh, you know, leading Mm. kind of leave mm -hmm. i mean i don't think like everyone should you know but, but right certain people well there's some people in prison that are serious sociopaths yeah you don't want like we already know what that's like <laughs> zing <laughs> zing from judy <laughs> uh, yes we do uh it doesn't matter who you vote for who you believe in or who you don't <laughs> Donald Trump is a sociopath. Let's 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 be real. Ever since The Apprentice, like you could tell, oh, this guy's full of shit. Anyway, good um, point. <laughs> anyway, huge sociopath. Um, I, I've I've been reading these things where these people have been pardoned from prison, mm -hmm. and that's it. People celebrate it. They're like, oh yay, you know, they were pardoned, which is great. I, I agree, it's great. But what happens next? Does that get absolved? Do they, are they put in some sort of program? They've missed, a lot of these guys have missed like 15 years of their life, 35 years of their life. And 
that's all they know is prison. Mm -hmm. And like you're saying, it's 24 seven. It's that mentality 24 Mm seven. Are they going to be able to find a job after? Are they going to be able to fend for themselves after? What do they get after that? So when you got out, what was your mentality? What was your kind of outlook on life and, and your goals afterwards? Well, I spent my prison time, which a lot of people don't do, uh, working on myself. Because to be honest with you, for the first two years I was locked up, I didn't trust me. Because if I was screwing around the way I was (laughs) harming other people, you know, uh, that didn't make me feel good about myself, you know. And so... I felt like, oh, it's probably a good thing that I'm locked up. And it took me two years to really start feeling like I trusted myself to be a free person. And I've talked to other people because I I still have, I have friends from that time still, even though that was a long time ago. Um, And I've talked to other people who've been in prison. And uh, a lot of them say, it took me 10 years to realize I was no longer a danger, you know? So it's all an individual thing. And um, I think you have to pay attention to that for yourself. Um, and if you do the work of self-awareness while you're in there, then then getting out, if you... It, if you've done the work, a lot of times you'll have support people. Like I went to a halfway house. Um, I had professors because I went to a college program who I stayed friends with after I got out of prison who were supportive. You know, um, the people at the halfway house were supportive. There were churches involved in the halfway house and they, they were supportive. You know, so I think it's important that you get into some kind of environment that's supportive. I think a lot of people uh, go straight back home or to an environment where they got steeped in the <laughs> the reason they went to prison in the first place. Yeah. So I think you have to really, really watch out for that. You know, it's like people leaving addiction treatment and going straight back to wherever it is they get their drugs. You know, no, that's not a good idea. That's, you know? that's, I mean, I'm glad you said that because it's something I, I almost kind of preach on the podcast is your circle of, of influence. Yes. And I've said this before. If I heard this from, from someone else, if you hang out with four idiots, you're going to be a fifth idiot. If you hang out with four drug addicts, you're going to be the fifth drug addict. If you hang out with four millionaires, there you go. Finish the sentence. Um, so yeah, circle of influence is is, is yes. huge, and environments is huge. We're just talking about local hub, actually, you and I, about how like it was refreshing to kind of have that community, and um, you know, knowing the people here and, and walking and just being like, hey, hey, what's up? You know, everyone's in their own thing, but then at the end of the day, it's a community. Um, and again, circling back to, to COVID, people don't have community right now, and. Mm. That's, that's one of the things that mm-hmm. a lot of people are, are suffering through. So I'm, I'm really glad you said that. And um, unfortunately, we're, we're out of time right now. But um, I would love to have you on again. And, and I mean, in the future, it's gonna I'm going to be doing this for a while, I hope. Um, 
but Judy, I appreciate you, you being transparent like you were, and, and this is going to help a lot of people, I'm sure. Well, thanks, Felix. I really appreciate you asking me to participate in this, and I'm just um, just happy for you that you know you're doing what you want to do with your life, and you're feeling better. Thank you. I, yeah. I mean, I have you to thank for that. So you definitely steered well, me. You did the work. You supplied the tools. Ah. <laughs> I just had a whip. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, where if someone wants to contact you, if they can, you know, where can they find you? Oh, uh, well, I. I can put the info I'm up on, on a website. Yeah. <laughs> I found her through psychologytoday.com. Oh, yes. I'm on there. That's <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's where I found you. You're the ad guy. <laughs> I'm the marketing dude. Yeah. Psychologytoday.com. Uh, on the video podcast and actually on, on the show notes, I'll put your, your information if you're okay with that. Oh, I'm fine with it. My uh, phone number is my business phone and I give you my... So I, I take texts, phone calls, emails. That's another thing. Judy's very... Um, uh, what do you call it? You... You use all this stuff, so like oh, tech savvy. Yeah, you're sort tech savvy. Of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're very tech savvy. So you'll, I could shoot you a text and be like, hey, do you have this time open? I know a lot of people are, are freaked out. Like, I don't want to talk to, you know, I don't want to go on the phone and talk to them. What if they don't shoot her a text? Be like, hi. I've, oh yeah, I've been experimenting with, you know, wanting to possibly go to therapy. Yes, yes. Do you have these days open, or, you know, the the point I want to bring up is to reach out and try it out if it doesn't work it doesn't work if if judy isn't your therapist hey you know what i tried let me move on to another one and i've told my friends this as well um i've had some that are like well what if i don't like her <laughs> i'm like she's not gonna take it personally you know you that happens yeah no it's important that you uh feel comfortable with your therapist i i tell people all the time therapy is a service you know so you wouldn't take your clothes to a dry cleaner if you didn't like the way they, you know, cleaned them, right? Right. So, you know, hey, you know. That's a good way to put it. Um, I will link Judy's info on there. Judy, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Felix. Truly appreciate you. Uh, you can find me at Media on Instagram uh, and YouTube. And I think that's it. Um, thank you so much for listening to This Life, a podcast by Myorca Media. I'm your host, Felix Mallorca. Uh, I will see you on the next one. Bye. That's it. Yay! Your first podcast. How do you feel? Wow. I can't wait to see it. <laughs>